Hello and welcome to Saskatchewan Matters from Martin Charlton Communications. This is episode 26 of the most influential weekly podcast to come out of the Saskatchewan business community. On each episode, Paul Martin, business commentator and the chair of Martin Charlton Communications brings us the stories behind the headlines and explains why each story matters to you. On today's episode, there's a line between being the owner of a business and an employee. So what are the opportunities for employees to invest in the company that they work for? Paul, I'm intrigued. What's the options and the pathways forwards? Well, you know, it's an interesting topic because I hear so many business people uh they dance around it a little bit, but they're, I think, frustrated in the fact that as a founder of a business in particular, especially if you're a founder, I, I mean, the baby is your business, right? And you love it. And, uh, you know, you hire your first employee and you expect that they will see your baby is as beautiful as you see your baby is and and so on. And so over time, you might build a, a team and you might have, say, a dozen employees and at some point comes a day where you have to uh, wrestle with the notion of how do I compensate my employees? How do I get them to be more aligned with me? And and how do I share my vision? And so this, uh, and this is particularly important right now. I mean, I'm hearing this conversation a lot among business leaders because of the issue of inflation. They're talking among themselves. I go to my tech groups, for example, my CEO groups. And one of the common questions on the table we'll be talking about at the upcoming meeting is, uh, what's an appropriate level of raise given inflation? And so there is a uh, a mindset that is, I guess, a perception in the mind of the shareholder, the owner of the business, as to what that should be. There's also a perception in the mind of the employee. And employees are being bombarded with the news that uh, the national media loves to uh, to talk about the level of inflation at 7% or something like that right now. And so people translate that into, I know my gasoline prices have gone up, the grocery prices have gone up, 7 sounds like a good number, I haven't had 7 for a long time. And the employer is saying, well, hang on a sec, uh, in- inflation is really quite transitory and uh, interest rates are going up, which is raising my costs of running a business because whether it's my line of credit or if I do have some kind of term loan, uh, the cost, uh, interest costs are going up and I can't afford to go to 7% plus interest rates going up means inflation is going to come down. So I don't want to jump in too fast and raise salaries too much when just three months from now, inflation is going to be back to 4% and then I'm out of whack and you know, on and on we go. And uh, I'm hearing, you know, certainly in the Saskatchewan marketplace right now where economy is good to us right now. The commodities are in ascension. You have a few other segments, uh, notably technology, that is doing quite well. It's attracting a lot of investment capital, uh, some public sector capital as well. And so if I'm an, uh, the owner of a, a technology company and I just get, I do a raise and I get a bunch of money from venture capitalists in New York or Regina or wherever they're from, uh, I'm under the gun to produce some results, to produce some growth. And uh, these people don't invest in my business because they think it's going to be stagnant. They want to see 
me move the needle more than the average. So what do I do? I need to build a team. So I've got a whole bunch of cash in the till. I need a team. So I'll go out and pay bonuses or big big salaries or whatever. So I can distort the marketplace a little bit too, especially in one this size, uh, which is relatively small. Uh, So these are all the factors that I'm hearing uh, pushing around out there. So if you're an owner of a business, you're trying to balance all of that stuff with making sales, producing product, you know, satisfying customers and all at the same time trying to figure out how do I create a cohesive team uh, and rally my my organization so that we're all on the same page. So some of the things that that come to mind, and and this will be, you know, I'm aimed at the employees when I'm talking about this. So if you're a worker in a business, think about this. Here's one of the things that's kind of motivating the owner of your enterprise, your boss, is saying, I want to create some form of alignment between uh, the employee and the shareholder. So I want us all on the same page, really. I want us to be on the same team. And that means we also uh, will share in the rewards uh, at the same uh, same way. Now, uh, employers uh, tend to, like employees, draw a salary. They get a T4, uh, and they will be fairly modest, actually. They will uh, suppress how much they take out, and then they will they have a good year at the end of the year we'll pay out profit sharing or some sort of a bonus of some sort so you see them looking to the employee and say i want to create this alignment between you and i so how about if we share in the profit pool at the end of the year and this is getting to be really quite a common uh, activity in in businesses where they uh, create formulas that have some sort of mechanism that says you know if we reach this kind of a rate of return or we make this kind of percentage of profit, then we'll share it with the employees. And that sounds good on paper until we get to the point where you have a not good year. And employees uh, grow accustomed to uh, these profit sharing checks being more like bonuses or guarantees or entitlements. And employers, when they enter these things, think about, no, we will have ebb and flow. And in the good times, we'll share. And in the not so good times, we'll share, <laughs> which means nothing. We will share nothing. Uh, so, and, and I've seen a high degree of frustration uh, come out of this for well, both sides. But I mean, from the employer side, they start to get disillusioned. Uh, they think that employees see it as entitlement as opposed to some sort of participation in the success of the enterprise, which every business has risk in it. So if you, you know, and employees generally sign up for an organization to get a paycheck, not to share in the risk. These are the trade-offs that employees say, I don't need to have a piece of the ownership of it uh, because I don't want to take that risk. If I did, I'd just start my own business and they don't do that. So uh, you know, you you see these things as eh, sounding kind of cool at the beginning, but they get to be points of tension, and that then morphs into things such as what they call ESOPs, which is a, an employee share ownership plan, uh, and so that formalizes this a little bit more. So we're not going to share in profit. You're going to buy a piece of the business, or you're going to earn a piece of the business as an employee, or a group of you will pool and uh, and buy in. And there's actually uh, legislation in Saskatchewan that allows it to to happen with under the venture capital program. Uh, it's called labor sponsored venture capital, where you get a tax credit from government uh, 
uh, for uh, doing this kind of thing. So it's we're most familiar with seeing them at, uh, say, Golden Opportunities or SaskWorks, these funds that every year, you know, you can put some money in and the government gives you a tax credit. The money is used to deploy in local, uh, They these funds are professionally managed and they invest in local enterprise. So it provide, uh, provides a, a pool of capital for local enterprise to tap into. Well, that's what they call Schedule A. You think of it as you've got a couple of managers of these funds and they effectively create a mutual fund of locally based businesses that you know you and I can invest in. But we don't buy into one business, we buy into a whole load of them. Now, Schedule B is where you buy into only one, and that's your employer. So you can, uh, as a group of employees, you can buy a block of business and still get that tax credit. Now, there are a few rules around it and stuff, but it's it's generally, you know, I know quite a few companies that have done it. And uh, with varying degrees of success, because it, uh, you know, one of the things that happens is these are private equity investments. So you're investing in a private company. It's not traded on the stock exchange. So it's not very liquid. It's very difficult to sell the stock if you want to get out the other end. But you get a tax credit and it makes you a shareholder. Well, this way, then you get to share in the profit or dividends, as it's called. Uh, and they go uh, back to you that way. And so you see some doing it, but there's a lot of legal stuff involved in this and paperwork and stuff. So there are costs. And, and sometimes it's just easier to put the profit sharing uh plan in place. But again, you end up with this tension that... Um, that you you know and and especially with the uh, the ESOPs with uh, if it tends to be a a company that's not traded on the exchange, you uh, you have to figure out how to value the stock every year. So you know the big accounting firms have formulas that you can uh, deploy, and uh, and I'll, I'll share with you one company that I know of that did this, and they had. Uh, they made it available to everybody. That's one of the rules. So they had, I don't know, about 200 employees that had bought into the, or maybe 150 employees that had bought into the plan. And so they set up a, a price every year. Well, the company was doing very, very well at the time. And so once a year for a month, uh, every August, they would have what they called an open period. In June, they would have the formula would kick in and say, based on last year's performance, here's the value of the shares. In August, we will have an open period. If you're a seller, you have to notify us. If you're a buyer, you have to notify us. And also, um, the primary owners of the place were, I think, a handful of them that had 51% 51% control so that they actually could make some decisions. And if one of the big ones was going to exit, they had to give uh, three years notice. So they had to say, over the next three years, I will exit. And then that gives the rest of the employees an opportunity to buy out one of the big ones. Well, they were doing very, very well. And the stock price was skyrocketing. And uh, the dividends were huge, like 30% or something. And it was really quite a remarkable story. But to be a shareholder, you had to be an employee of the business. There were no outside investors in this thing. It was just them. Well, the stock got to the point where the employee said, that's too highly priced. I can't buy it, which is really an irrelevant argument because the price doesn't matter as long as the return is there. Uh, you know, if you get in your 30% rate of return, you really don't care what the price is as long as I'm getting my 30% rate of return. So they ended up in a situation where they had a block of stock from one of the uh, founding shareholders was on the market and there were no bidders. And so this founder who was hoping to begin a retirement and exit plan actually ended up 
went back in and bought more shares because there were more sellers than there were buyers. And the plan kind of cratered. Um, and so they ended up, uh, and, and here's what happens. You get a book value out of this. You get some sort of formula. It's really a depressed price. Uh, it's not a fair market price. You can do better in the open market. And this is where the employees fell off the train is they ended up selling the company to an outside investor and made way more money. And so the employees left a lot on the table, which made me come away. And this is, this is the point of today's podcast is this is not scientific whatsoever. This is just Paul's assessment. 5% of the world is an owner. 95% of the world is a worker. So 5% should be shareholders. They understand the risks and all of that. 95% just want to be employees, just want a paycheck. And, you know, if you complicate it and, and, and stuff, you'll all just be disappointed. And so it sounds harsh, but there really are people who don't get what it means to be an owner. And, uh, you know, we can look at it in a Saskatchewan context, the level of risk that's taken by farmers every year uh, with the capital they lay out in the spring. You know, even if you grow up on a farm, doesn't guarantee you're going to be a farmer when you grow up. Uh, you know, if there's several siblings in the family, one of them seems to have the genes, but the rest don't. And if none of them do, then they sell the place to the neighbor. Let's say an organization has gone down the route that they did go for a share scheme where employees did buy shares, but then, uh, and it's because it's a closed market of, of, um, of um, who can buy and sell the shares, does an organization need to have very strict rules on when you leave the company, those have to be bought back by the company? Or could there be a situation where someone remains a shareholder and they effectively set up uh, a rival organization in the same marketplace if there's not a non-compete in place? Yeah, theoretically, you can have the latter. Uh, you know, if I buy shares, I could theoretically, uh, we could, I could hold them forever theoretically. Uh, but I've not yet seen one where if you leave the employee of the organization, you're allowed to take your shares with you. It generally is uh, that you have to exit the shareholding when you exit the business as an employee. And so the employer or the company has to keep a pool of capital around to be able to redeem its own stock. And the one I told you about where, uh, you know, there was orphan stock, basically, they had a fixed number of shares. There was, I think, a couple of hundred thousand shares and there's 200 employees or something of which 150 were shareholders. Uh, if there was, you know, you don't cancel shares, it's possible, but you don't like to because it's a kind of a negative signal. And, uh, and so they, you know, the owner, the founder ended up buying back his own stock rather than uh, seeing it go orphaned or, uh, but they wouldn't allow uh, a, an ex-employee, you know, to go to the competitor and still get access to all the information, competitive information that comes from being a shareholder. So, uh, you know, I, I remember sitting at a tech meeting once and I had uh, 10 of my tech members, all business people from Saskatchewan sitting around the table and we were talking about this. And this, this was one of the more enlightening conversations for me was they started to discuss the impact they were having inside their own organization with profit sharing. And there was a high degree of frustration that it was not achieving what they had hoped would happen, which was to incent employees and to create alignment 
In fact, you know, they complained mostly that if it was a year-end kind of look in October, they were often getting the, the nudge in the side and saying, hey, boss, what's that profit-sharing pool look like? I got my eye on a color, big, big flat-screen TV for Christmas. Why am I immediately thinking of the Griswolds at this moment? Yes, exactly. And, and you know, this was precisely what they were hoping would not happen. This is not for consumption, but really, I, if I'm going to share this with you, profit is the kind of thing that you want to reinvest. So you put it into your pension plan or your RSP or something, uh, and uh, or you know pay down your mortgage or something like that. But what they saw was it became very much an entitlement, and it was like a Christmas bonus, and had lost all the incentive to uh, create a workforce that was motivated to uh, generate higher degrees of performance and profit. And so as they went around the table, I remember there were 10 of them there and they sort of, you know, I, I asked them, how much did you put in the profit sharing plan this year? We went around the table and it worked out to about two and a half million bucks, which was, you know, not small change. Right. And they concluded that it would have probably been just as well off to put the money on the center of the table that day and burn it. Uh, because it really did not achieve what they had hoped to do. And there was one uh, one member of the group who was particularly into this and very insightful, really bright, had built what I consider to be the best profit-sharing plan I ever saw, and he abandoned it. It, it lost its wheels. I mean, it simply, it, and this is what drew me to the conclusion, that there is a portion of the population that is owners and a large portion of the population that isn't. And you will frustrate yourself as a business owner if you try to turn one into the other and vice versa. And you will be frustrated as an employee if somebody's trying to make you into a business owner when all you want to do is just go to work, collect a paycheck. And then coupled with that, though, is the frustration that I just want to go to work, just collect a paycheck, but then I am no longer entitled to whine if, you know, somebody that gets a big bonus or the boss does well and uh, you had your shot and you chose not to. And so, uh, you know, I went from uh, a view of what I would call democratic capitalism, where we shared and all of that, to I've moved away from that. I just don't think it's practical because you're really trying to turn fish into fowl. Paul, this is as insightful as ever, and from the point of view of understanding humans, motivations, and relationships, I think this is a big tell as to how different people do get motivated within their work and the view of the owners and the bosses of the reality of human relationships in some cases. Paul, thank you. And thank you for taking the time to listen to Saskatchewan Matters from Martin Charlton Communications. Do share these insights that power Saskatchewan with your friends and colleagues. Saskatchewan Matters is proud to be a part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network.